Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. room have ever said something that you regretted how many let me see your hands yes okay that's about every one of us right I'm looking for the liars now (laughs) we've all said things that we've regretted if we could have taken them back we would have and there's been many times when I was growing up that my mother said this to me and my father said Jeff you better watch your mouth anybody ever said that yeah yeah Jeff you better well maybe they didn't say Jeff to you but uh, you better watch your mouth And the reason being is because our words have power. They have power. You realize it was God that spoke the world into existence. He didn't didn't create it with his hands. He just spoke it into existence because words have power. Especially in our relationships, they have great power. And I would tell you this, that, you know, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 21, these, these powerful words, look what it says. It says, The tongue has a power of what? Life and death. death. In other words, here's here's what the Bible is saying. The quality of your words will determine the quality of your relationships. Did you hear that? The quality of your words will determine the quality of your relationships. It will. So whatever level your relationships at, I would say that it's probably you need to do a check up from the neck up. There's probably something there. And I have another statement that I want you to remember. It's going to come on the screen because I think this is life-changing. You may want to take your phones out and and take a picture because I think this is worth sharing uh, with people. So uh, it's coming up. Let's read this together. You ready? Come on. If I don't like what I'm seeing, I must watch what I'm saying. Oh, amen, right there. See, the reason, that, the reason that many of us in this room are having struggling with relationships is because we're just talking too much. We're saying the wrong thing. If you're being critical, people are gonna re, you're going to repel people. If you're always telling people what to do, you're going to repel people. But if, you're, if you begin to bless people and encourage people, then people are going to be drawn to you. People say, you know, say, well, I don't know what's going on in my marriage. Well, I always say, watch what you're saying. What are your words like? What are your conversations like? I don't like what's going on between my, my uh, parents, me and my parents. What are you saying? And I would tell you today that, you know, if you begin to watch what you say, then you can improve your relationship because there's a lot of things that you're saying that you don't understand is, is pushing people away from you. And so I want to challenge you with that. If you can just watch what you're saying. Again, on the screen, let's say this one more time before we take it down. If I don't like what I'm seeing, I must watch what I'm saying. And so if you take that to heart and you take that down today, then I guarantee you if you put it into practice, then your relationship's going to go up. It's going to get better. And that's what we're here to do is get better, right? Okay, so I want to give you the title of our message today, and that is this, how to give life to your relationships. So we're talking about like maybe you feel like your relationships, it needs a little CPR today. We're going to do it, and we're going to give life to it. And we're going to do that by watching what we say. So I want to give you three things today that I think have the power to change your life. 
I look, I'm not just sharing words today. I'm not, I, and you know, you, you know you've, you've made it here today, and you've made a special effort to be here today through all the rain and stuff. You're here. So why don't we just go ahead and get this and get better, amen? amen. And so I, I believe that we have the potential to do that today. So I want to give you three things. The first one, if you go ahead and write this down, and let's, let's write this down. In order to, to give life to my relationships, number one is this, is change what you are saying to yourself. Change what you're saying to yourself. You see, when you, what you think determines what you believe, and what you believe determines how you behave. Let me say that one more time. What you think determines what you believe, and what you believe determines how you think. The problem that we have is that we're all fighting ants. Now, how many of you have ever had ants in your home? Get in your home. Let me see your hands. Okay, yes. So there's a lot of us. Aren't those things straight from the pit of Hades? <laughs> Meaning that when they come in to invade your home, you get the little spray out, and you spray them down, you know, and you get the counters cleaned up, and the food that they've invaded, you throw it all out. There's nothing else that they should want in your home. You got it all cleaned up. And then only to come home that afternoon, and they got a whole nother parade coming right back up that counter, right? And they're hard to get rid of. And so I want to tell you that we all have an ant problem that's hard to get rid of. Now, the ant problem that we have is not the one that, that you're thinking of now. I'm going to change the picture of that just in a moment. But let me give you what the ants stand for. You ready? Would you write this down? The letter A is automatic. Would you write that down? Automatic. We have an automatic. The, the letter N is negative. Would you write that down? Automatic, negative. And then the last one, thoughts. Automatic, negative thoughts is what you call ants. Automatic, negative thoughts. And I would tell you this, is that majority of our problems come because of our thinking. And it, it's like we have these automatic negative thoughts. We constantly are telling ourselves what we can't do. We're constantly telling ourselves that, you know, they're better than us. And, and you know, they look better than us. And, 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 you know, we're just not good enough. And we just can't do this. And we constantly have these automatic negative thoughts that are going through our mind. And it keeps us down. I would tell you this is that, you know, many of, that's the, one of the, the, the uh, I would say one of the, the, the things about social media that is, makes us struggle is that when we look at social media, we're constantly comparing everybody's best moment to our worst. Amen? We're comparing someone's best to our worst. When any, any time that someone goes and they post it on social media, well, I'm going to tell you, it's like a good moment. They don't, most of the time, they don't post all their bad stuff there. And when you see that good and you see how bad you're having it right now, then you think, you know what? Well, they're just better than me and poor pitiful me. And you start really talking bad to yourself. Do you know that uh, I heard this week a doctor shared this information this week uh, that uh, they've done the research and found out that when the, when the iPhone came out, anxiety went up. Because they can track it back to that's when people started carrying around, you know, their iPhone and going on social media more than any other time. All of a sudden, we, they found out that anxiety went up because people begin to compare themselves to everybody else. And I want to tell you that we have to learn to kill the ants. I want to scar you today, okay? My job is if I can't impact you, is to scar you. So I found this picture that I, I want you to, to look at. It's going to go through your mind the rest of your life. There it is right there. Isn't that gross? 
That's sick. Okay, you can take the picture down now. I don't think you can take any more. I hope that when you start having, when you start beating yourself up with those automatic negative thoughts, that you picture that, a parade of ants going in your ear. And it will stop you because you have to change the way that you begin to think about yourself. You see, you can never change until you quit talking. Let me say it this way. You can never change if you keep talking to yourself the way you're talking to yourself. The reason I tell you that is because your voice is the most powerful voice to you. You believe your voice over everybody else's. That's the reason, like, at our church here, when we get ready to read portions of Scripture, I stop and say, hey, will you read what's underlined with me? The reason I do that is because I can say it, but you say, yeah. But when you read it, you say, man, that's true. You believe you over anybody else. And if you've ever been to counseling, you realize that counselors are so smart. And when you go there, they don't tell you what to do, and they don't tell you how to fix you. They just start asking you questions. And the more que they'll ask you a question, then you answer it. And they'll ask you another question, then you answer it. Until finally, you tell yourself the answer you need to hear. And the reason they do that is because you believe you over everybody else. And listen, if you talk to your friends and your family the way that you talk to you, you wouldn't have any friends. Nobody hang around you if you talk to everybody else the way you talk to you. Just think about how many times you get up and you look in the mirror and say, you don't look good today. Man, your hair is not great. Now, I haven't had that moment in a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> every day is a perfect day. <laughs> but, you know, you say, your hair doesn't look good. Oh, man, you know, you got this on your face. Or you don't look. Every time you, you tell yourself all that stuff, can you imagine you just walking up, the first person you see is a Man, your hair don't look good today. I mean, I just think, guys, especially, I mean, if we said that, you know, you're done. I just want you to know, you're done. One of the things I've learned to do is lie to Rhonda. <laughs> don't you tell her I said this. And God has to forgive me. When she gets her hair done and she comes home and says, how did it look? It looks great. <laughs> Some of the guys are not moving right now because they've been telling the same lie. <laughs> It looks great. No matter what, it looks great, right? I mean, it's all, the decision's already made. I mean, it's already there. There's no need for me to say, well, you know what? Ah, this time, no, no, no. Oh, what? You don't like it? You've heard that line before? Yes, that took me a long time to learn that. But when we speak to other people, we're kinder to them than we are to ourselves, and we have to learn to change it. Look what Jesus said. In Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said this. Jesus answered him. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. By the way, this is a great commandment. He said, this is the greatest and the most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like it. Would you read what's underlined with me out loud? Let's read it. Ready? Come on. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Oh, my goodness. Jesus said this. Is that you've got to love you before you can love other people. You know Why? Because you see people, other people the way you see yourself. When you see yourself as negative and you see yourself as no good, then guess what? That's the way that you see other people is when you see them as negative and no good. It's because that's the way you see yourself. In other words, when you start loving you, you can start loving them. You're never going to love your spouse the way you want to love them until you start loving you. And you're never going to be able to love your children the way you want to love them until you start loving you. And you're never going to be able to love your parents the way you want to love them until you start loving you. And you're never, ever going to have those relationships 
relationships that you desire until you start liking you. Amen? Amen? So I got to know this next step for you. Here's the thing. I challenge you every morning. You know, your alarm clock gets off, goes off. You get up. You go to the bathroom. You come and look in the mirror. And you go, oh, boy, here we go. I challenge you. Why don't you just, when you look in the mirror, why don't you just say your name and say, God loves you and so do I. So it would sound like this for me. It would sound like every morning when I get up, look in the mirror and say, Jeff, God loves you and so do I. Why don't you practice that with me right now? Let's, you just say your name and you're going to say, God loves you and so do I. Let's practice it. You ready? Come on. You ready? One, two, three. That's right. God loves. Doesn't that feel pretty weird? <laughs> it feels, but it's true. And then, listen, the reason being, that's the way you defeat the ants. You kill the ants. The ants are marching in, and the way you get them out is that you've got to make those proclamations about yourself. And at the beginning of the year, I told you that how I have about these 10 statements that I make every day about myself. Why? Because I have to kill the ants, and I challenge you to do it too. When you feel better about you, when you realize that you are worth something and that you're good and, and that God's created you and that he loves you and that you're worth loving, when you realize that you're worth loving, then you'll again think everybody else is worth loving. Amen. The problem is here. It's here. It starts here. And so I have a next step for you. It's on your connection card. I hope that you will do it with me. It says this. It says, I will do my best to look in the mirror and say, God loves me and so do I. Would you read that? Call your name out. Say, God loves, God loves you and so do I. God loves me and so do I. And that would be a game changer for you. All right, on the screen again, let's say our statement one more time. Would you say this out loud like, like you mean it today, like you're going to get it, like you're going to do this? Let's say it. You ready? Come on. If I don't like what I'm seeing, I must watch what I'm saying. Right? I must watch what I'm saying. Your relationships go up when you begin to watch what you say. So that takes us to number two. And number two is speak words of life to others. Speak words of life to others. This is so critical in our relationships. Proverbs 18 and 20 through 21 again says this, Make your words good and you will be glad you did. Amen? Amen. Make your words bad and you'll be very sad. That's Jeff right there. Okay, let's read what's underlined. Are you ready? Come on. Words can bring death or life. you agree with that? Yes. Okay, here we go. This is Jeff's problem right here. Maybe not be yours, but it's mine. Talk too much and you eat everything you say. Oh, boy. Does anybody else resemble that remark? I've done it. You know, I read a survey this past week that says that, you know, uh, there's some words that people desire that want, there's some words that people want to hear more than any other words. And the first statement was that people want to hear in your life, this is what they want to hear, is I love you. The people in your life want to hear you say, I love you. Those are the most desired words in our American culture, is I love you. They want to hear, I love you. When's the last time that you told the people close to you that you love them? And when is it, when's the last time that, you know, maybe you looked at your spouse and say, I just want you to know I love you. You know, maybe when's the last time that you looked at your parents, you know, maybe your teenager here, they don't think you like them at all, you know. Why don't you shock them? I mean, listen, hey, if you're going to say I love you right now, let us call our uh, medics in, okay? Because they're probably going to pass out. But what it, when you say I love you, it means something to them. 
The second phrase that, that people want to hear more than anything else is, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's the words that we all desire to hear. I love you, and I forgive you. I love you, and I forgive you. You know what? The third thing that was a little funny to me when I read this, I guess these people took the survey in the South because it said the third thing is the statement that we all want to hear is this, supper's ready. <laughs> it's a true statement. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Look at Proverbs 17 and 27. Look what it says. A person of knowledge uses words with what? Restraint. restraint. Let's stop right there. When I think about the word restraint, I think about riding a horse for some reason because, you know, animals can sense when you're a little nervous. And let me just tell you something. When I get on the back of a horse, I'm nervous. The reason being because I've had a bad experience. Everyone that I get on wants to go up, you know, like we're doing a little mountain trail ride. Well, mine runs up the mountain. You know, and then there's some reason, like, whatever one that I get on, when we get back, they say, okay, now, you know, no running the horses. I'm like, no problem here, you know. And then, but my horse, it seems like we get about a quarter mile back to where the barn is, takes off. And I'm going, whoa, 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 and it's just taking me for a ride. But the thing they would tell me is that you got to pull back harder on that, on, on, on the range. You got to pull back harder. And so what I realized is this, is you know what? Is, is that's restraint. I'm restraining that horse. He has all kind of power. I'm restraining that horse. And same thing about you. A person of knowledge uses words with restraint. And let me just tell you something. Let me set you free. Just because you think it, you don't have to say it. Amen. <laughs> just, just, because, just because you think it's going to help, you say, oh, let, let me, I'm going to help you out. I'm gonna help, let me help you out. No, 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 no. Just because you think it, you don't have to say it. That's restraint. That's, man, I'm telling you, if some of you get that, your life's going way up. <laughs> Just because you think it, you don't have to say it. It's using words with restraint. A person of knowledge uses words with restraint. You know what that means? That means that you might know, you might know the answer, but not, it's not all, even if you do know the answers, it's not always good to give it. Sometimes people just want you to listen. Person of knowledge uses words of strength. He goes on and says this. A person of understanding is even-tempered. That means that, you know what, sometimes you talk yourself into being mad. You keep talking until you get mad. And if you would just button up and shut up, then you'd be happier. Oh, hold on. Man, you watch that right there. Sure, I mean, we have to learn. When we just, we get so caught up in our words and we're saying things that we're not even thinking about what we're saying, but when they come out, it just makes us more motivated to say more poison. And it poisons relationships. It poisons those. Look at the next verse with me. Proverbs 17, 27 says this. A person of knowledge uses words with restraint and a person of understanding is even-tempered Oh, let me just say this for one. I know it's the same verse. I want to share something else. Yeah, it's like, next verse. No, it's the same verse. I read this, a guy who was an FBI agent. His name's Chris Voss. He wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. And I read his book. And his book was all about how that he was trained as a hostage negotiator all over the world. When they had hostages in other countries, uh, you know, where these people would take Americans hostage and they were trying to negotiate with the government, he would be the guy they'd call in. 
He said, he, and he talked about one particular incident that when he was in, uh, he was called into a New York City, there was a bank robbery that was going on. And it went bad, and the, and the bank robbers got trapped in the bank, and, and so they took hostage, hostages. And so he said, when they did, you know, they established a, a phone connection to the, to the main guy that was, you know, the lead hostage taker. And he was on the line with him. And, and he said, you know, when he began to talk to him, the guy was like yelling, you know, I'm going to kill all these people, blah, 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 blah. He said, I noticed his tone. He said, one of the things that they trained me with the FBI was to do is that my tone would set the tone. And he said, so I begin to picture in my mind a late-night DJ. You know the late-night DJs that's on radio, how, how smooth they talk like a Barry White. Hello. You know, it's, it's 12 o'clock. Aren't you glad you're on the road? I don't know. But you begin to you would think like that. So I could just, I could just see him talking to this guy that's about you. Know, I'm going to kill these people. Hello, aren't you glad you have these hostages? I don't, I don't know what he said. <laughs> but he said when he changed his tone, all of a sudden, the person who was hostile began to change their tone. And then reason could happen. He said the other thing that, I, that we noticed was this, is that even in a hostile situation, if you're on the phone, this is, oh, this is so good for boyfriend and girlfriends and husband and wives and mothers and children and fathers and children. Here it is. Is even when you're on the phone, if you will smile while you're talking, your tone will change. Let me say this. Maybe we need to smile when we're texting. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe our tone will change, right? It's amazing. And here's what happens. When you change your tone, they change their tone. But somebody has to be the big boy and the big girl to do it first. <laughs> oh, right? Am I right about that? You know, we're like, well, when they stop, I'm going to stop. Well, that's what they say in middle school. <laughs> somebody has to grow up. Here's a, here's a statement I want to leave you with. Here it is. When I change my tone, I change my home. When I change my tone, I change my home. And I know that's hard for some of you screamers. You was raised being a screamer, and you're still a screamer. And I just want to tell you, it's never going to get better. When I change my tone, I change my home. So I have a next step for you. It's on your connection card. It says this. It says, I'll do my best to change my tone in my home. Why don't you check that box? Because we're going to pray over these cards, and we're just going to ask God to help you. Set, you set the tone in your home. Quit, quit listen. Quit letting a kindergartner set the tone in your home. You know what that means? I mean, like, you know, well, my child, just, they just get on my nerves. Well, listen, quit letting them set the tone. You set the tone in your home. Mm, okay, move on, Jeff. All right, I will. <laughs> one of the things I would tell you that before we do move on is, is one of the things that helps you change your tone is learning to be nice to people. And you know what? Church is a great place to do that. And let me just tell you, I thank all of you because I know that when you come here, you put your best on. I know it. I, I can just see it. I mean, you're, I can see some of you are straining to be nice. And I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. You're straining. And you're like, oh, boy, this is so hard. But we have something to help you, and it's called, it's called Grow Track. Grow Track is all about helping you learn how to, you know, what you're good at and, and letting you learn to serve here at church. Why? Because when you strain to do it good at church, you, all of a sudden, guess what? 
you, it makes it to your car. Like the first, the first time that you serve, you're like, oh, man, this, this felt good. I was nice for like an hour. <laughs> and, and then you go to your car, and then you know what? You get in your car with your family, and then it sort of wears off. And you're like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> But then you come back and you serve again. And, and guess what? Then you were nice for an hour, and then you make it in your car, and you're nice in your car. And then when you get home, it's rah, 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 rah. Well, before you know it, you keep serving, and guess what? All of a sudden, you learn how to be nice. Wow, that's why God created the church, so that you can learn how to be nice. (laughs) Why don't you go to Growth Track? Your family's begging you, go, go, go. Matter of fact, you're going to get an email this week because somebody else signed you up. Why don't you go to Growth Track? All right, let's say our statement again. You ready? Here it is. It's coming up on the screen. Let's say it together. Ready? If I don't like what I'm seeing, I must watch what I'm saying. If you don't like what you're seeing in somebody, watch what you're saying to somebody. Number three, the last one is this. Speak words of faith in God. Speak words of faith in God. We live in a culture today, I think you would agree with me, that Anxiety and depression are very high. Matter of fact, I, was, I heard a study again this week that said that, that anxiety and depression is as high or if not higher than World War II when the world was being bombed and people were having to wear gas masks all the time. Anxiety now has been elevated above that because of social media. One of the things I would tell you, one of the things that brings anxiety on is when we become self-focused. In other words, when we begin to say, okay, I need to fix my problems. I need to take care of all my problems. It's all up to me. If it's going to be, it's up to me. And when we live like that and when we face something that we can't change or we can't fix, then all of a sudden we become depressed and we begin to blame all these problems on ourselves, and we become very anxious. There's a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boone who actually, she and her family during World War II, help people escape the concentration camps. The Jews kept them, actually, they would hide Jewish people in their homes so that they wouldn't have to go to the concentration camps. And her family was caught doing that. And they themselves were sent to the concentration camps. And she said the only way that she survived, the only, and she was a survivor, a Holocaust survivor. And the only way that she survived was that she said, I had this philosophy. I want to, I want to read it to you. This is her statement. It says this, If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. That's what she said. When you you look at the world, you're going to be distressed, but you look within, you're going to be be depressed. But when you look to God, you'll be at rest. And I'm telling you, so here's the thing. We have to change change our, our, our outlook to an uplook. And we have to quit looking in for answers. We have to, you know, when we look within for answers, you know what happens? We get, we get, we run out of resources. We just don't have it within us. And then we look without, we look in for help. We look out for hope. We say, okay, the world should help us. And we look at the world and it looks like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, doesn't it? I mean, it just looks like the world's in a mess right now. And so we lose our hope, but we have to change our look from an in-look. And not only from the in-look, we can't change it from an out-look. We have to change it to an up-look. Amen? Amen? The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. It says this. Look, let's read it out loud. Let's read it together. Ready? 
We live by faith and not by sight. In other words, it's not what I can do, and it's not what's going on in the world that the world can do. It's only what God can do. Amen? God's the one that changes everything. God is the game changer. And we're believers. We believe that. We believe that. The next verse I have on your outline is Mark 9 and 23. Let me give you a little background. Before Jesus is about to make a statement here, but before he makes a statement, this guy is trying, asking Jesus to heal his son. And, and, and Jesus said, do you believe I can heal your son? He says, well, Jesus, if you can, will you heal my son? If you can. The moment that you say, if you can, means I don't believe you, right? And Jesus said, you mean, what do you mean if you can? He says, he says, what do you mean if I can? I'm the son of God. And Jesus made this statement to him. Look what he said. Let's read it together. You ready? Jesus said, all things are possible for the one who believes. Do you believe that? All things are possible for the ones who believe. If you just believe just a little bit, the Bible says, if you have a, just a little bitty, 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 bitty faith, bit of faith, then God can do miracles in your life. And I'm telling you, all things are possible in your marriage. All things are possible with your parents. All things are possible in your home. All things are possible on your job. All things are possible in your school. All things are possible in your college. All things are possible at your work. All things are possible in your neighborhood. All things are possible with your finances. How? With Almighty God. Amen. Amen. It's not what you can do. Your in-look is bad and your outlook may be bad. Then you take an up-look and it's all good with God. He's got this. Amen. He's got it. He's got it. Did you? God's got this. God's got this. It's not about you and it's not about them. It's always about Him. God's got this. I look at what the Bible says in 1 John. Look what it says. He says, you are of God and have overcome them because, let's read what's underlined. You ready? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Did you get that? He's greater. I, I have these two balloons here. I know you thought it was my birthday or something. I want to share this with you. I'm holding up these two balloons. What's different about them? The color. One's pink, one's white, right? That's the color. Oh, boy. Here we go. It's Valentine. Woo! A little late, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I missed it. Yes, you did. As I'm holding these balloons, the only thing that we see is the, the external. And we say, okay, well, that's what makes them different. Well, I'd have you know that's not true. It's not the external that, that makes these things, the, that gives them the greatest difference. It's what's on the inside of them. You see, many of you here today, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And it's the difference maker. Because when life comes, it's going to come and it's going to hit you and it's going to knock you down. It's going to try to keep you down. But you can't stay down. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you and He keeps raising you up again. Amen? That's what a person believes is like. If you believe that all things are possible, you may be down today, and it may take you a week or a month or so, but you know that God is at work, and if you'll just trust God, quit looking within, quit looking without, and begin to look up to Him and watch what He will do. It's what's in you that makes you. It's what you believe that, takes, that, that gives you the power to get up every day and say, I believe today is going to be different. Yesterday was horrible, but God, I know you got today, and I'm going to trust you with today. 
Or either you live like this. Oh, the world says, oh, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And you do it. You try to pick yourself up. But guess what happens? You keep going right back down. You can't do it. It's not about what you can do. It's always about what God can do. Amen? And that's a story of life. It's what God can do, not what you can do. So we speak words of faith in Jesus' name. Look at the next verse. James 4 and 2. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet. But you cannot have what you want. Would you read those next words? Let's read them. Ready? Come on. You quarrel and fight. Doesn't that sound just like your home? You quarrel and fight. Let's read what's underlined. You ready? You do not have because you do not ask God. People of faith, we ask God. So here's a question I have for you today. Are you going to ask God and live like this? Are you just going to keep on keeping on trying to do it yourself? Oh, well, I know if I could just do this. If I could just talk them into doing this. If they'll just do that. No, 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 no. You just keep falling. So today, is it going to be God or is it going to be self? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.